Hey guys, welcome to the show. For today's episode of Improvement, we have on another special guest. His name is Timothy John Harrison, aka Coach T. He grew up in San Diego, California, where he established his roots as a star basketball player. He was blessed to earn a four-ride Division I basketball scholarship to Rice University here in Houston. While at Rice, he branched out into psychology research, community leadership, and entrepreneurship. And while in school, his most valuable lessons came through facing failures and adversity in his athletic career. And so ahead of him were the opportunities to play pro basketball in the Philippines or accept a prestigious job offer in strategy consulting. After graduating in the middle of a pandemic and widespread social unrest, he woke up to the fragility of life and persisting inequalities. Being a man of faith, he felt called to make a difference and decided to take a leap to pursue his life mission to inspire and equip people to realize their potential. Thanks for coming to the show, Tim. Thanks for having me. Sounds good. All right. So um, what motivated you to start coaching? I think what motivated me to start coaching is like I've always been into personal development. Right. And so ever since a young kid, I was uh, pretty shy and but I was observant and I was always interested in like why people did what they did. So fast forward to college, I studied psychology and um, ironically enough, my coach gave me a book to read. I didn't really read a whole bunch kind of coming in, um, but he gave me a book called The Energy Bus. And he's the head coach. I'm a freshman on the team. So I'm like, okay, yeah, there's no way he's going to give me this book and I don't read it. So I read it and that just like opened everything up. I read this book and it's about how, you know, even the negative experiences can be used as positives and different ways you can view the world. And it was one of the first times where I, I really just read something and it immediately changed everything changed the way that I view things shifted the paradigm and I was like oh okay that's why everybody's saying okay this reading thing is good and so I I, I understood it once I was able to apply it to my life and from there I just became a junkie for just like finding those pieces of wisdom that really change everything and I saw even in a short amount of time how when I started to do that it changed how people responded to me it changes how I responded it changed everything about my world without anything in my world actually changing so I learned that if I turn, if I change my own internal world, I change the external world around me and how I'm able to operate in it. So then from there, like that passion, when it came around to graduating and I, you know, changed this pathway, I was like, you know, what, I want to do that for other people and find a way. And so I was exposed to coaching while I was in college. And that really made a difference for me. And I was like, okay, I want to learn that. I want to have that kind of impact on people. So let me, let me be more intentional about it. And let me learn like actual skills and competencies and, and it's been awesome uh, thus far. Okay. So you would say that the thing that motivated you to start doing your coaching was just seeing the effect that personal development had on your own life, right? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I wanted to impact other people. And I was like, okay, well, how, how have I been impacted? What are the most impactful things? And then like, how can I do that? How can I replicate that for other people as well? And along with it being like being exposed to it myself. Yeah, that makes sense. And so just based on your own personal development, what would you say the impact has been so far from you doing your own reading, listening to content and other things to improve your life? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. I mean, it's huge. I'm a completely different person or I'm just more of who I am than I would have otherwise been. I think that when you have um, the way I think about my personal development is like three phases. You have input, you have output and then update. Right. And so like right, input right. is the things that you read, things that you observe, things that are in the act external world that come inside right whether it's the audiobook the music you listen to that's your mental diet 
output is what do you do based on that, right? So it's one thing to just learn and read a whole bunch of books, read a lot of books. It's another thing to apply it. So what, what is it? What input am I actually creating an output from? And then you got to update. And that's about reflecting. It's like, okay, well, I just read this book. This author is great. But how much of what they say is actually me? Because I don't ever agree with 100% of anything I read or anyone I you know meet with. You don't agree right. with everything they say, right? So right. that's the process of distilling what is outside of me and what is in me. What do I want to integrate? And what do I want to continue to act out? So that's kind of how um, personal development has impacted me. But I can truly say it changes the trajectory of my life. I think one of the biggest um, things I learned in college is like that personal development it had nothing to do with the school and the degree that I had. I can argue that the personal development that I did on my own was almost more impactful than the things I learned in school, or it at least helped me apply the things that I learned. Cause now I have my own personal vision that I'm moving towards. And now each class is just a log adding to the fire that I am versus I think a lot of people go, okay, what is this? This class is going to make me on this pathway mm-hmm. versus I have a pathway and I'm using the world and environment, everything as an opportunity to build this vision that I want to create. I like that. I like that a lot. And I can see where you're coming from, where you talk about how going to school wasn't necessarily as valuable as you doing your personal development. And I would agree because, of course, you know, you learn stuff for your degree while you're in school and it helps you to be able to get a job. But one thing I'll say is that the stuff that I've learned from the books doing personal development has been much more valuable. But, you know, of course, I paid much less to get the information, you know, with a a self-improvement book like Think and Grow Rich or something like that. What do you pay? $10, $15. Meanwhile, for the college education that we both got, we were paying tens of thousands every year, all for one to be more valuable, more useful than the other. It's kind of crazy to think about that. Yeah, but I'm also not in the camp, though, of saying like, okay, yeah, don't go to school, don't go to college because. Oh, yeah, not saying that. No, no. But I I think that camp exists Mm -hmm. out there. That's like, you know, just read my book. (laughs) You know what I mean? People were saying, oh, you don't need uh, school who are selling you the content. Well, yeah, right. I think that it's the culmination. Mm-hmm. It taught me how to use that, right? It's like right. School is the vehicle, but it taught me that I'm in the driver's seat. So it's like, yeah, school is the vehicle and the education is the vehicle, but like you're the driver. And so ultimately your goal is I want to get here to there. I don't care if my car gets me there or the train gets me there or whatever gets me there. It's like personal development is like working on the driver and then everything mm-hmm. else is the vehicle. I think that's a good way to break it down. Yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, of course, I'm not saying that getting a college degree is invaluable. It's just that as far as shaping the trajectory of your life and setting goals and having a direction and actually making the impactful changes, I would say that personal development had a much greater effect in that aspect of my life than going to school. Going to school was a vehicle that was used uh, to use that same analogy to get to a certain point to be able to get income and such. But I would say that the personal development part, the part for the driver, has made the biggest difference. I mean, think about NASCAR. All the people in NASCAR have fast cars that are performing at the peak level of machinery, but it comes down to who the driver is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's facts. As you were saying that, I kind of had the the mindset shift of like, education is actually just one component of personal development. Mm -hmm. I think that we're thinking about education as up here and then personal development down here. But I think personal development is the point. Like why else get an education? So you can develop yourself so that you can have skills in the workplace. Right. And so I think that personal development is the overarching. Then you have education. Then you also have health. And then you have, you know, spiritual well-being. Then you have all these other things. I think ultimately at the top is that personal development, because at the end of the day, like, what are you doing? Right. Right. And honestly, I don't think that 
most people think of it in that aspect, because I don't think that most people actually have a focus on personal development. I, mm-hmm. At least I know uh, personally that whenever I initially went, went to go to school, that the goal was to get a degree and get a job. That was the pinnacle. But once I started to read the books and everything, I started to see that there was more to life than just, I guess, working a job, if that makes sense. There's so many different aspects or things about yourself that you can grow to be able to get better results in all different aspects of your life. And so I'm glad that you pointed that out, that we should make education a part of the total personal development and get benefits from it in that way, as opposed to some people making it the main focus or making the job the same, the main focus. The focus should be being that best version of yourself, right? If, yeah. if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly. Yeah, no, I think that that's so true. Because, you know, once you, you know, you graduate, a lot of times people's education stops, your right. personal development. And, and so that's at the top, then you stop growing as a person, but personal development is at the top. And education was just the vehicle you used just then. As soon as you graduate, you're like, okay, well, where am I learning? Where am I getting new information? And you go seek that out. And then you keep developing. And I believe that you know, especially us in our young, in our early 20s, we're just finishing college. But I believe that the people who are doing that personal development now, you're going to start to see that change over two, three, four years. And it's crazy because I see it. I see it. Like some of the people that I know who are friends who they, people can stagnate or you can get beat down by the world. Because especially when you're starting off, you're considered a novice. And there's a lot of people have ranks that they need to go up. And that takes a toll on people. And I've been able to see that and it's, but it's the people who continue to input, output, update, and continue that process who are able to rise above that. And then it'll get like part of their light taken out by the world, you know, tell them you're just at the beginning, you don't know anything yet, right? You gotta, you know, do this desk job. It's a switch. It's tough for people in our early 20s, but I believe that you have to build yourself up out of things rather than like try to enter someone's system and, and rise up, right? I'm glad you pointed that out. And so something else from one of your past answers I also want to touch on, you talked about input and output, and I think recalibrating was the other one, but I wanted to ask about input. Mm -hmm. And so I assume, or at least from my experience, it seems like it's just like, like if for, let's say you were had, you had a diet, the type of food that you put into your body is going to affect the type of results that you get physically. And Mm -hmm. so as far as the input portion of your personal development, would you say that the content that you take in, the different ideologies that you pay attention to kind of have a similar effect on that output that you're talking about? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, you are what you eat, right? You right. are what you listen to. I mean, right? think about this. You, you ever hear a song that you love, right? And then mm-hmm. the next day or a couple of days later, you hear the song going in your head, even when you're not listening to it. You hear the lyrics of that artist. So like, right. whose who's ideas do you want circulating in your mind, in your subconscious two, three mm-hmm. days after, right? Do you right. want like, two chains or do you want like this audio book that's that's telling you things that's going to help you, you know, ex- advance? And I'm, I'm not going to lie, like music is dope. And I'm not saying like replace all entertainment with that, mm-hmm. but it's a diet. You know, the things that you ate two, three days ago, like affect how you feel today in the same way that the things that you watch, the things that you listen to, they stay with you. And it's all about diet. That's how I that's how I think about that input, input piece. And and that affects output, you know, whatever quality gas you put in your car or whatever you eat as an athlete. Right. If you want to be a top athlete, you're not eating uh, Krispy Kreme every day. It's right. just going to that's going to impact your output in the same way that the music you listen to affects your mindset later on or the people that you conversations mm-hmm. that you have. People are really negative. That impacts you. Right. But, um, 
I was talking to a coaching client the other day and we talk about um, negative thoughts. And there's a guy out there named Dr. Amen and he talks about ANTS, A-N-T, automatic negative thoughts. And it talks about how um, if you're at a picnic, you know, sometimes ants can come by and that's the same way like negative thinking. But if you hang around negative people, you get covered with their ants too. And you start to notice a difference in, in your thinking as well. Okay, would you say something similar happens like with YouTube, social media and all that too, taking in all that negative or let's say maybe unproductive content from those mediums? Would you say that also has a, has a similar effect on output? I believe that it can, but I also believe that things are more about approach than mm -hmm. position or like the actuality of it, right? So I could watch The Simpsons and that could be considered, you know, I guess like junk to some people, but mm -hmm. let's say I'm a screenwriter, right? And I'm thinking about, wow, this is one of the most successful sitcoms ever. It's been going on for decades. Like how do they write their characters? Why is it that people like this? So if I go in with that approach and I'm looking at it and I'm like, how did, okay, how did that scene make me feel as, from that perspective? And how can I use that in my output? Then that's a pause, then that's very productive. Right, but so if I'm being intentional. Yeah, exactly. But I'm just mindlessly going through that, watching it. And I'm allowing that to change like how I speak and how I'm interacting with people. And that's like less than where I believe I should be. So it, it's not about the Simpsons episode. It's about your approach to it more so. Okay. I like that being intentional about what you're looking at and actually yes. having something in mind that you want to gather from that content that you're taking in and making sure that that's what you receive from it. And so right. I guess when you think about it from that perspective, nothing will really be junk unless you're just looking at it passively, unless you're just getting on YouTube and you just see all these videos and recommend it. And you say, oh, this looks interesting. I'll take a look at that. Yeah. But when you're going on there and you're trying to find specific information, that's when it gets to the point to where you can make something positive out of really any type of uh, content, I guess you could say, right? Yeah. And I think that that's a very optimistic perspective too. I think that there is a limit to it, right? Like mm -hmm. it doesn't matter my mindset. If I'm eating donuts, like that's no matter what I do, like that's not the <laughs> ideal. Right. So like, right. It could be, that could be an hour watching the Simpsons or it could be an hour watching this lecture or watching a documentary or something else more productive. And like, maybe with that same approach, I could get more out of better quality content, but I'm saying like, even, even in those scenarios, I believe that you can glean some value but it's also about like, what, what quality are you going to glean that value from? And I believe that there's a difference between uh, mediums and content that you, that you consume. Okay. And so I like that. I like that you brought that up. And so something else I wanted to touch on to change gears a little bit okay. is um, the term self-actualization. So in the past, I've heard you mention that. And so if I'm correct, that comes from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so for the people listening that might not be familiar, could you give a brief explanation of what self-actualization is? Yeah. So Maslow hierarchy of needs, it's like, a, it's a pyramid. And I think a lot of people have heard of this, but at the bottom, it talks about like, what are the human needs? And you need to cover each base before you're able to rise up to the next level. And at the bottom, I believe it's like just physical needs. Like, do you know where your next meal is coming from? Um, are you warm, right? Are you safe? Mm -hmm. And the next, I think it's like social security. Like, do you have good people around you? I'm not sure exactly every step. I'd have to look at it. But at the top of the pyramid, once you have these needs met, it's, it's self-actualization. And that's when you're really just striving to be the best version of yourself. Now, self-actualization is, self is a term that's, that's come up. But I, I realized more recently that I do have some, like, uh, not, not conflict with it. Well, I guess, I guess it is internal conflict 
with the concept about it. And he actually even changed it towards the end of his life. But essentially self-actualization is just striving to be the best version of yourself, maximizing your potential, you know, all those buzzwords that you hear in the personal development space. Right. And so, I mean, it's good that you might have some different like things that you don't agree with, because I would say there's no such thing as a perfect ideology. There should be things that you agree and disagree with, or I guess disagree with, with all different ideologies. And so I think that by, you know, at least having awareness of it and seeing the good aspects of it, um, positives can come from that, you know, especially from what I've seen about it. And so has self-actualization, or at least up until now, had it always been the end goal for you? Or if not, what caused you to set your focus on activating your full potential? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think that the benefit of, or one of the insights of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is that the desire to be the best version of yourself is a natural biological process. And right. I think that's good to note that when people are healthy and when they have their needs met, their natural desire is to be the best version of themselves. And I think that that's a beautiful way to look at humanity. So when you see people who are doing things that aren't productive, or you see people who are doing things that are destructive, that means that some level at that hierarchy, their needs aren't really being fulfilled. And they're doing that because of that lack. And if you can fix that, then the natural process of a human being would then to be the best version of themselves to be productive for society. So that's kind of the perspective I take. Remind me, remind me of your, your question again. Yeah. So the other question was, um, has self-actualization always been the end goal for you? Or if not, yeah, what yeah. caused you to set your focus on activating your full right, potential? Yeah. So, yeah. So to answer that question, I believe that it's, it's a natural thing, right? So kids, they dream, <laughs> you know, like, I want to be this, I want to be that because they don't, they don't have any, um, they haven't been told they can't yet. And I, I believe that's a very fundamental part of being a human being is you want to actualize, you know, what you could actually be. It's not till after, you know, that slights happen, you, you know, you experience failures and your light starts to get dimmed down as these needs aren't met or as external barriers kind of distort your view of what's possible. So I believe that it's a natural uh, kind of thing that happens. And then fortunately, I think my parents created a good um, environment for me to grow up and be disciplined so that I believe that things are possible. And then I had a foundation so that when other things came up, I knew that, hey, that's not who I am. And that's, I think, one of the benefits of one, just having faith. You know, I'm a man of faith. I'm Christian. And I believe that that's something that has been an anchor for me, understanding that who I am and my identity is rooted in something outside of what people say that I am, what my environment might tell me that I am as a black male or, or I'm this or I'm that. It's like, no, at a deeper level, I have a strong core sense of idea of, of identity, you know, as a child of God or, you know, other things like that, that are rooted in who I am that allow me to not sway as much when my environment mm -hmm. is telling me I'm less than or, or is this or is that. Okay. Yeah, that's understandable. And I can see where you're coming from. And maybe to make the uh, question a little bit more concise, what I was more so getting at is what made you actively pursue it or just to give my pers my perception. Mm -hmm. I would say that there was a point point in time in my life where, you know, maybe some of these other needs weren't being met. And that probably resulted in self-actualization or, you know, reaching my full potential, not even being something that was on my radar, at least to actively set goals to work towards. And so, of course, everyone has like an idea of who they want to be or what like their ideal life would be. You know, the ideal Kamani Randall, you know, I always mm -hmm. had that in my head who I wanted to be. But there was a difference between having that image in my head 
and actually doing the work like I'm doing now to actively pursue uh, developing the skills to be that person and to have that lifestyle that I want. And so more so what I was getting at was that, or here's maybe a better way to phrase it. When did you get to that point to where you were consciously looking at the ideal Tim Harrison and mm. you started making those efforts to actively pursue that? Yeah. Okay. I see. And I'd say it's, I'd say like that, that's always the path. I think that's the path of a human being. And then it's like, you go from fuzzy and it just gets more refined. So as a kid, like my parents gave me a poster that said, you could be anything you want to be. It's a young black boy sitting on a basketball looking up and there's an older black man with a, you know, he's a doctor. Another one's in the NBA. Another one's a lawyer. One's an architect. And so like, I always had that sense of possibility. Like I wanted to do that. I just didn't know what now. Okay. I know I'm going to do well in school. Cause that's going to move me closer to that, but I don't know what I'm going to major in yet. And I think as you get older, you start to like zero in on what that is. And right. then it's like certain events either make you think, realize that, okay, a certain pathway is exciting to me or is possible. And that opens up the action that you take to move towards it. Right. And right. so even as a kid, I would, I would set goals like six months from now, I want to be here in this level. And I think like from there, it gets more and more targeted, targeted to now, like I have, you know, plans where I want to be in the next five years. And like, what am I doing this month? That's going to move me forward to that. Right. But it's been a constant like refinement. Um, and it still is a constant refinement. It changes, but it's, you, you, mm -hmm. you kind of zero in on directions and then it could change as you change, but right. I think it's a constant refinement. Or I guess from the way that I'm looking at it too, I can say that there was a defining moment in my life to where when it got to that point, that was when I started to make the conscious decision to start pursuing something. Because yeah, I can see what you're saying about how, you know, it's kind of fuzzy at first whenever you're a kid and it's not as focused as you just gain age. Then that's when you start to become more focused and have stronger goals and such. But I would say one of the things that was at least like a catalyst for me to actually look for ways to activate my potential was a certain event in my life that happened that made me see what my potential was. And then from there, mm -hmm. I started to use, or I guess use that confidence I gained from seeing what my potential was and applied it in other areas that I wanted to activate my potential in. Because yeah. the, the first area, even though it was something that I was good at, it wasn't necessarily something I wanted to do long term. But that was at least the catalyst that made me think, okay, I have potential. I can do something. I can be this person yeah. and mm -hmm. actually start making a yeah. plan to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And I've definitely had like several events that were catalysts. Like one of them, um, I, I, I talk about this one a lot, but um, I had a coach when I was in high school. Uh, I was in eighth grade, actually. He was the high school basketball coach. I was at a school called Horizon Christian. And uh, his name was Coach T. And that's part of the reason why I go by Coach T. But um, I remember I was walking at the gym and, mm. you know, he, he was standing next to me and he said, hey, Tim, um, what college do you want to play for? Right. And at the time I, I played basketball, I was passionate about it. I started realizing hey, I am pretty good. Uh, I might I might like take this seriously, but I never thought about what college I want to go to. And when he said that, I was kind of like taken aback and I was like, hmm you think I can play in college? And he looked at me like, it's like, yeah, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. And just the look on his face of like, duh, <laughs> is what like, kind of like, oh, he believes that's I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm playing in college from now on. Like, okay, yeah, let me like think about it. Let me focus that. But I remember it expanded how I viewed myself. Next thing, uh, when I'm in college, I'm playing basketball and I'm realizing, okay, you know what? I'm not like on that trajectory to play in the NBA, right? 
So I was like, okay, that was my dream. And then that was a little bit of an identity kind of shock or crisis. But I had a teacher, um, Dr. Hebel, who's a psychology professor. She kind of took me under her wing and I had this new interest in people and stuff. And so I remember she sat me down and on the back of an envelope, she wrote, you know, I was asking her, hey, what is this psychology thing? Like, what does that actually look like in a career? And she was like, okay, well, you can do this, this, and this. You can go to this kind of school. I'll write you a recommendation. Just keep this kind of GPA. You'll, you'll be good. It's like, you're in good standing. And then five years from now, you could be making this. And then she circled a number. And I was just like, oh, wow. Like, I never thought about how much money I wanted to make. I never thought about that. And I was like, wow. I'm like, hey, that's like, that's a lot of money. And I was like, okay, like I'm on this pathway. It's going to be hard, but like I would be doing this and it looked like, and it just made it real for me. And I'm like, wow, this person is very established in her career and she sees that I could do this. And I'm like, okay, wow, that's cool. And I'd say like the last moment that I had like that kind of realization was it wasn't sparked from someone else. And I think the time that it was sparked within me was the most significant one. And this happened like fairly recently in 2020 and when COVID hit, and then all the social unrest was going on. And this 2020 was just a crazy year. It was also the year I was graduating. And I'm already, okay, I had a job lined up in strategy consulting, but I'm transitioning from being a student to a working adult. And so that's a major like life biographical like shift, right? So right. I'm thinking about, you know, what is it that I want to be? What is my why? Like what kind of impact do I want to have on the world? And then the racial unrest like goes down when I graduate and I'm just like, I felt called to do something. And it was then I sat down and I was just like, okay, well, who do I want to be? Like, I want to do what makes me come alive. Right. Um, and I remember writing down like different areas of my life where I wanted to be. And that was like, I really sat down and thought about this and I was like, okay, let me start moving towards this. And I still kind of have that more concrete plan. And I've been executing on that for, for the last maybe 10 10 to 11 months and I think like that time it was like it wasn't external like someone believed that I could do this like I had the belief in myself but I still had to cast it out then look at it on the page I'm like that looks like a good life like that would be worth any effort that it would take to get there and then I started executing towards that and you know it's been it's been a hell of a journey and and that journey right there is what I call the enjoyable pain of growth and that's that's what I named the uh the company after and everything so yeah long story short yeah. And so that's a, a major jump, you know, something that most people probably can't do to be able to go from having a, a job lined up in strategy consulting, which is a, a well-paying career to decide to do something that aligned with your talents and w- what your passions were. And so if you don't mind, could you talk about some of the, the thoughts that were going through your head whenever you made that decision and decided to commit to EPOG 100%? Yeah, uh, it was a lot. That was a, that was a huge, that was a huge decision. And it took a while. Like at first, I, look, to be honest, it was just a pandemic, right? I'm just in the house. I just graduated. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything, right? And I have all this energy and I have all these new ideas. I was like, okay, like I was just restless too. So I wanted to start something. And then I was like, okay, there's a need for it. Like, you know, like ticked off and I was provoked by what was going on in our country. I was like, okay, well, what piece of this can I make an impact on? I was still fully planning on going to Accenture and going to that job. But then I started doing this. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I could incorporate uh, 501c3 and I got a couple of people to be on the board of advisors right and then I had an opportunity to become a coach and then I'm with a peer coach and I tell them my mission they're like hey you need to meet this person I meet this person they're in a similar position where they want to do more they're in their job thinking about quitting and they love the vision that I had for Epoch Academy then they quit their job and came and so I'm like okay well this person is like really committed to like I still hadn't quit my job yet 
or I, I hadn't turned that down or right. So I knew I needed to make a decision. And so like, as we got closer, things started to grow and build. And then we secured a, a program for the fall. And I was like, okay, all right. Yeah. I don't think I'll be able to do both. So it's like, okay, now I'm 23 years old. Do I turn down like the six figure offer to do this uncertain thing? That's a nonprofit. That's like not promised or anything. But I remember it was actually in a coaching session that I realized that it was a major decision about like who I wanted to be. Do I want to just focus on building my own empire? Right. If I wanted to do that, that would be about, that would be about me. That would be more about me. And I was like, you know what? My life isn't about me. I don't want to live my life about me. I want to impact other people. And I believe that this pathway is the vehicle that I want to develop on right now. Right. And that's how I right. see it. It is nothing against if you want to work as a consultant. Like I was so excited to do that. And I think that that would have utilized my talents too. But I was just like, just the specific things that I would be doing on a regular basis, the impact that I would have and the ways that I would develop were more closely aligned to that vision that I had and would allow that freedom. And it's the, it's the option that scared me more. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I want to see what I'm made of. Like, this is not certain. Like, I don't know where I'm going to make my money from. I don't know what, but like, I believe that I'm just going to step out in faith and see what happens. And like, I was like, I want to see what I'm made of. You know, what do I want to tell my kids, grandkids, like that I responded during the pandemic and during when all this went down, right? What did I do? What did, what did Tim do? How did he respond? I was like, this makes the better story. <laughs> right. And so, Definitely, yeah. so I took that leap and, you know, it was probably one of the best decisions that I've made. And I don't even know to the full extent that that statement is true yet. I love that, man. And I, I respect that a lot. You know, you had the courage to take that jump, you know, especially coming right out of school with all this uncertainty and everything that was going on. I respect that a lot. And, you know, I'm pretty much in the exact same situation almost except on the other side of it where, mm -hmm. you know, coming out of school and taking a job offer and instead of, I guess you could say, burning my ships, like the, the Hernan Cortez story, kind of like how you did, I'm doing, I guess, the other side of that, which is, you know, I'm working the job, but I happen to come across something that I'm really passionate about that I'm doing on the mm -hmm. side. And so I respect it a lot. It takes a lot of boldness to do what you did. And then especially not even being from Texas either. Like I'm from Beaumont, Texas. So I'm only an hour and a half from, from home. And so for you to come all the way from San Diego and then coming here for school and making that jump, you know, and being in a city where, you know, you, I don't know how familiar you are with people around here or how many connections you have, but it's just, you know, probably scary. And so that's just something that I respect a lot, man. Mm, no, I appreciate that, man. And I don't want to downplay anyone's um, anyone's path, right? Everyone has a different pathway to get there and none is more glamorous. It's all about how do you live the story? It's all about how do you live the story and what is your approach, right? And so you could be in that job and maybe you can still actualize your potential within an organization. And plenty of people can and plenty of people do. And so it's not about what pathway looks the most sexy or, you know, do I take that leap? It's like the leap looks different for everyone. Right. The right. leap looks different for everybody. So I think some people shouldn't be entrepreneurs because it's stressful. It's a lot of if you have low tolerance for like uncertainty, like you might not be that might not be the path. Be cut out for that, right? You know what I mean? Like that might not be it. And that doesn't mean you're better or worse. It's just like you might be a, a stud like within the structures of an organization. You know how to work it. You know how to work your way to the top, get the best out of the people around you. So it's like it's really an internal thing. It's not about okay, you know, taking this leap, starting my company, doing it on my own, independent, right? It's all about like, okay, what am I wired for? And what is it that makes me come alive truly at my core? And then what in the world is a vehicle for that? Don't think like, okay, what job is going to give me the status? What job is going to give me this? It's like, 
whatever is out there, like first look inside, like what actually moves me physically, viscerally, what excites me, what, what makes me scared? What does my body respond to now? And then it's like, okay, where's that? Where could that be applied? Because any system that we have is built because humans have the proclivity towards certain tasks, right? There wouldn't be engineers or there wouldn't be, you know, different fields, researchers, if like that wasn't innately something that people did or were wired to do, right? And so you can almost take an inside out approach of looking, what am I uniquely wired to do? And there's clues and you have to learn how to recognize those clues and then build up and see like, okay, where can that be applied to make a difference? Okay. I like the way that you explained that and how you talked about how the different paths might not be for certain people because they might have guys that would listen to this and, you know, they might even though it's not what we said, they might perceive it as if we're saying, oh, you shouldn't work a corporate job or something like that. But, you know, that's not what we're saying at all. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, some people just might not be geared for that sort of thing, just like some people might not be geared towards entrepreneurship. And it just comes from building self-awareness, doing the personal development to know yourself and know where you can thrive and know where at the end of the day, I guess when you die, you can be satisfied with the impact that you made in whatever role it was that you chose to take. If I'm understanding what you're saying correctly. Yeah, no, that's spot on, man. Spot on. Okay. Okay. And so we talked about the benefits that come from a mentally, you know, where you haven't having that alignment has, you know, given you that rush, I guess you could say that motivation to do more, but I also like, if you could touch on some of the challenges that you faced on your journey to self-actualization, they could be social, mental, spiritual, whatever, anything that you like to touch on. Yeah. I mean, the path of growth is, isn't like, isn't fun all the time. It's like it's synonymous with challenge and you grow to the degree that you expose yourself to things that are outside of your comfort zone. Right. Exposure. So like you don't actually grow until you feel uncomfortable. Right. You know, a lot of people say when you're lifting weights, it's not until those reps where you actually like, yo, this struggles that the growth actually occurs. So the first eight are just to get you to that point where the growth occurs. Right. And it's like right. those two, three, four or five or six. Oh, the last like two or three or four are the ones where all the growth occurs because, you know, your muscles grow when you, when you tear them. Right. And so it's not until you feel that tear, that burn that you actually receive the growth. And so that happens in every single area. And one of the things that I've learned, especially as being a coach is that it's inside out, this world is inside out, but it's going to tell you it's outside in. And the ones who realize it's inside out are the ones who rise to the top. It's like a, um, you know, if you're underwater and you're full of air, you're going to naturally rise. So it's like it's whatever's inside of you is what determines your level. And what I mean by that is like as a coach, let's say if I'm struggling and I'm not being productive and I'm procrastinating, I'm not going to fully be able to help someone with their procrastination. And it's not that I need to know the strategies. It's just like my presence and how I'm able to respond. Do I know how to ask the right question? Like, I won't be able to reach them. I'll have a cap on how I can lead others. So it's like whatever level of personal development I'm at, that and below is like how I can help people. But as I have breakthroughs, I'm able to see new levels of perspective that allow me to show up more effectively for my clients, in my relationships, et cetera. So while doing this, starting a company, trying new fields, being on stage, it's bringing all those insecurities, those things that you haven't worked on to the forefront, because you might be able to get away with, you know, personality and little skills first, but then it's like, oh, okay, 
this component of my life is now showing up and it's front and center. And that's the thing in the way for me moving higher. You'll exhaust all your skills and your talents and that'll get you to a certain level, but you, it, it's constant. It has to be holistic. Otherwise it'll put a cap at how high you can go. Okay. Okay. And I think that's definitely something that's unique to someone doing personal development, of course, because, you know, for someone that doesn't have that focus, they wouldn't really see how, I guess, those lapses that they're having, those places where they aren't fully developed are affecting other people and say develop an eye for, for it from doing the personal development stuff. And so I like that you touched on that. But uh, something that, I guess, to rephrase the question, to get more along the lines that I was thinking of, was um, how some of were some of the challenges that you would say play out like for you personally? So not necessarily, you know, with being able to help others, because of course that's going to come with it whenever you're doing something like what you do with the coaching and everything, uh, your limitations are going to affect the product that you bring. But I was more so going on the lines of how has you working towards being the best version of Tim affected you, let's say, you know, with your social interactions has it made it to where your things have become difficult with friends, family, any type of way, uh, spiritually, it, mm-hmm. just that type of stuff, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. So definitely, I'll, I'll speak to the social component of it, too. When you work on yourself, that can create a strain on your relationships, and it can enhance your relationships as well, right? So what happens is, you know, you're like the people that the five people that you spend the most time with, kind of anchors you in a lot of ways, like whether it's like what you eat, what you listen to, what you watch, like it's a lot, very social. So if you, if you have friends that eat very unhealthy, well, when you hang out with them, what do you guys eat? So then now you start to adapt their habits and you want to go to the same places. Right. And right. so as you're growing and as you as you raise your standards for different things, it can have the impact of isolating yourself from people who don't also have those, right? So if you want to hang out and you want to go on a hike, you want to go do healthy activities because you want to be more productive, you don't want to just go drink and smoke every time you guys hang out because that's getting in your way if you do it too much, right? So you want to do this, they might be like, well, why are you trying to work out, be all productive? And then they'll be like, nah, let's just chill, let's just relax, right? And that can have the effect of pulling you back. And there is space to relax. doesn't mean everything has to be productive, but at a certain point, as you change your mindset and how you look at the world, you guys just don't have the same map that you're operating on. And that can create tension. The positive side of that is you have to be willing to let certain relationships go if they're holding you back. And you have to understand where you're trying to go and what's most important. Is it maintaining so that they like me? Is it shrinking down so that they don't feel, you know, like I'm trying to be better than them or whatever it is? Or do I allow certain relationships, certain habits to die so that new ones can form, right? So it wasn't to, like, so my business partner, he's someone who has high standards as well. And we vibe on a lot of different areas, but I've had friends who, you know, whenever I'm back in town, they just want to go do this and do that. And I know that that's taking me away from my mission and my purpose, but I had to like allow myself to not spend as much time with them, but that creates the space to build relationships with people who are going to where I want to go. And ultimately, then that has the effort of pulling you up. Because let's say they eat healthier than you. They want to work out a little harder than you. Now you're like, okay, oh, no, I'm not going to let them out working. I'm not going to. And so now it's pulling you versus pulling you back. And that's the difference. You shoot, you shoot for it with that. Right. And this is important. I'm glad that you brought it up because I feel like there's so much of a stigma behind this in a way. And here I'll elaborate. Whenever you're doing something in life, whenever you're making progressions, whenever you're trying to 
pursue different goals than what you were before when you decide to make those changes in your life. Something that, you know, you've probably experienced and I've experienced it as well. And a lot of people talk about it is that the people that you would normally used to hang out with, that you normally used to spend most of your time with and had the same hobbies, interests, principles, and that sort of thing. It doesn't always go over well whenever you start making those choices to lead a better life. People mm-hmm. say things like, oh, you changed up. Or, you know, you've even heard celebrities talk about this. You know, of course, we're not celebrities or anything, but yeah. how people say they went Hollywood because they don't do the same things that they did whenever they were, you know, let's say back back in the neighborhood, whenever they were, you know, in their, in their teenage years or in high school. And so I'm glad that you touched on this because you get such a, there's such a negative connotation that kind of comes with that. But the thing about it is that it's really necessary, at least I would say, because there's no way in the world that you can continue to do the same stuff you were doing before and expect different results. That's insanity. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that people should be ashamed to make lifestyle changes and to see that some of those past relationships that they had are just eventually going to run their course, just like any relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to feel like you're better than or yeah, not at all you have to like rub it in their face or that it even has to be like overt. But you have to, you know, decide at the end of the day, like what's most important and what do I, what relationships do I want space for? Because relationships are important. And those are just facts. Now it's a matter of, okay, well, what relationships do I want to invest in? It really comes down to habits and standards, right? And your standards determine your habits. What standards do I allow in my life, whether it's my diet, whether it's like how much do I work out and whatnot. And it's like, I either allow this or I allow this. And this is going to give me these results. This is going to give me these results. And what am I, where am I willing to give and take? And how do I live in alignment with that on a regular basis that determines your level in life and it determines the results that you get? Yeah, I agree. I'm glad that you brought this point up. And I also like how you touched on how it doesn't necessarily make you better. You don't want to look at it from the perspective of, oh, I'm better. I actually made an episode about this called Build Your Championship Team. But mm-hmm. I use like a sports analogy in it. But what I was saying is that uh, you can't judge somebody by the rules of your game when they're playing a different game. Like if you're trying to win a, let's say, NBA championship, you wouldn't go find a hockey team. You're playing for a Stanley Cup. And so it's all really just a perspective thing. You want to align with people who are playing the same game as you. They want to win that Super Bowl or that championship, uh, not, you know, the Stanley Cup or whatever else. They're just playing by different rules in life. And yeah, it's just not going to work for you if you're trying to make those changes. So I'm glad that you touched on that. Yeah, no, that's huge. I love that. I love that sports analogy for sure. It's like, what game are you playing? Because there's different rules to win in that game, right? So some people play the status game. And to win, you got to rise. You got to have the name association. You got to have the dollar in your account, right? Some people play the popularity game. They don't care as much about that. That might help in the game. There might be some overlapping rules, but at the end of the day, you know, they'll take a, they'll take a higher, they'll, they'll take a job with a higher position or title where they're higher esteem, but it might pay less versus if someone is just playing the wealth game, they'll, they don't care what the title is. It's like, how much am I making? Right. And that's right. your standards, which will then determine your habits and what will I do and what will I reinforce? But that, yeah, that's so true. And it's just about like, what game are you playing? You need to know what game you're in because otherwise you won't be good at it. <laughs> and otherwise 
you know, you, the results that you get, you won't, you won't be able to predict. But once you decide what game you're playing, that tells you the rules. And you can change games, but you're in a game whether you like, you like it or not. It's just like, am I going to be intentional about playing it? And am I going to learn the rules? And then once you learn the rules, then you can, then you can change it. Then you can change the game once you match the rules. And that's, that's the cool thing about it. Great. I like that. I like that. And so for the people listening right now that are eager to start working on being the best version of themselves, what are some initial tips that you give them to at least be able to get started? I'd say great job because you already started. You're listening to the improvement podcast right now. So that means that, I mean, you could be listening to a lot of different things right now, but you decided that, Hey, I'm going to invest in this and myself. I'm going to listen to this. And the next step I'd say is like, do it <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you like, as you're listening to this, ask yourself, okay, so what, right. Tim saying some things, Kamani saying some things, but what am I actually going to apply? How is this going to change what I do tomorrow, today, this week and answer that question and go do it. Cause otherwise this doesn't mean anything. And, and it's so easy to get caught in this personal development trap of, I got to read this next book. I got to read this book. I got to read that book. It's not about the book, the books, the education, the seminars, the tapes are all logs in the fire, but the fire is already alive in you right now. Now you have to fan the flame and you have to feed the flame, right? So what, what are the things in your life that douse your flame? Or what are the things that ignite you? Answer those questions and set this thing ablaze. Hey, I like the analogies. They're coming up with a lot of analogies for this episode, stoking the flame. And so would you recommend that these people look into coaching? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say, you know, how serious are you towards, you know, towards getting where you want to go, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of tools. And I believe that coaching has been a tool that changed the game for me. Obviously I'm a coach now too. And I get a lot of results and I see the impact that I'm able to have on my, on my clients. So I think that I believe that coaching is one of those great tools that you can add to your arsenal to fan your flame. But I would say it's kind of like, um, I actually read an article yesterday. Um, someone who was a coach, they said, you know, when you are taken off, if you're a pilot, every degree that you're off target equates to about 60 miles, you know, when you get there, right? Because it's so long, right? And so if you're thinking of the big picture, the long game, where do you want to end up? And if you're off a degree or two or three or five degrees, how far off of, you know, your vision are you going to, be and I think a coach is a great tool and resource to make sure that you're on track also to vision where do you actually want to go and to get clarity and so I'd say if if you're serious about getting to where you want to be in the long run I'd say a coach is an awesome investment um and and it's yeah okay and so what would you say are some of the most common things that people who are looking for coaching struggle with hmm. a lot of times people don't know you know, where to apply. Like by the time they're seeking out a coach and they want a coach, they, they want things to be better. They might have an idea of how, but they might not know either how to get there or it's a lot of fuzziness, right? Before we talked about a lot of times our dreams are just abstract, they're fuzzy. It's about how do I, how do we increase the, the resolution of where I actually want to be? And then it's like part of them kind of don't think that they could do it on their own too. A lot of it is confidence. Um, they don't want to do it alone. But it's also um, so many different things come up and it's, it's really dependent on each person. But it's like 
they don't like where things are going in this area or they recognize that I can be better. Maybe things are going well, but like, you know, I have more in me. And I think that, you know, out of all the tools, I think coaching has gotten potential that was dormant in me out more than anything else because they're trained to like, know, like, what are you, what are you not saying? You know, and they know your goal and they've gotten to know you and they're like, okay, there's this blind spot, but they're not going to beat you over the head. They help you see it. They're, they, they reflect things back. They ask you the questions to bring it out in a way that I think reading a book doesn't help you see your blind spot necessarily. Sometimes you need that direct feedback and reflection and then accountability and support. So I'd say, yeah. Okay. I can see where you're coming from. And so another question about coaching is how would you describe the ideal coaching client? What kind of mindset do they come in with? Hmm. Curious. Um, they're intentional. Being intentional, like they know, you know, they're going to do, you know, the things that you, you say, they're going to apply it, right? Because we can have major breakthroughs in a session, but if you don't do anything in the weeks between sessions, like nothing happens. It doesn't matter how great of a coach I am. Like it's all, you know, it's on them. So the people who are going to apply it are the ones who get the best results and they're the most fun to work with um, as well. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say, you know, people who are curious, who are, who are open to exploring new things, like, hey, I haven't tried this, you know, let me, let me try it out. And they want to, they ask you questions sometimes too. Like, hey, what do you see here? Is there something I'm not seeing, you know? Um, and then being intentional about doing the work. Those are the ones who have the greatest experience and have the best results. Right. Well, that pretty much wraps up the interview. I think we touched on some extremely helpful topics. I think we shared some gems, really good information. And so before we go ahead and wrap it up, is there any other information that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I'd love to connect with you guys and, and hear your insights from this. And if you're interested in coaching, um, just reach out to me. Um, follow me on Instagram, Coach Timothy John. That's Coach Timothy John on Instagram. Just honestly hit me up if, if, if any of this was valuable to you or if you applied any of this. I'd love to hear, you know, how that impacted you or if you're interested in hearing more about coaching and what that might look like. Uh, feel free to hit me up. Uh, make sure you let me know um, that you're from the Improvement Podcast. Maybe maybe we could work out a, a kind of deal or something like that. But um, right. yeah, just follow me. I, I do music, too. And I, I'd love to connect with you guys and see what's going on in your world. All right. Sounds good. And all of his links will be in the description of this episode. You'll see them in the description on the podcast episodes, as well as in the uh, YouTube video description. And so that's pretty much everything. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you. Uh, you having me, Kamani. Yeah. My pleasure, man. Take care.